0: My, uh, the, the church that I preached at before uh, was a pretty old church for Illinois, uh, had, had been founded in the early 1840s, uh, so it, was, it had some decent age to it. it. It had gone through a few different buildings, uh, certainly at one time out in the country, and it was a country church. Uh, it, I, think, I think somebody said there were like seven or eight churches in Illinois all named Pleasant Hill Christian Church, but it was the only one on a hill. Uh, Illinois is very flat, but they like that name. Uh, it, it had been built at one point up on stilts, and there were a few of the older members uh, whose family had been part of the church, and I'd, I'd, through them I had heard stories about uh, uh, what would happen when the livestock would get under the church and what church was like, and those were some interesting stories. Um, uh, one, one apocryphal tale that they told uh, was that the pigs and the chickens were listening to the, uh, the sermon and the preacher was, was preaching on the subject of sacrifice and the chicken said to the pig, uh, we should really get behind this. We, we, we should get involved in this. We, we should be a part of this in helping the church out. The pig said, what do you recommend? The chicken thought for a minute and said, let's do a ham and egg breakfast. <laughs> and The pig said, I... I think there's a difference between your contribution and my commitment to this, to this cause. I think that there is a difference in people between those that want to contribute to the church and those that want to commit to the church. Uh, I, what God calls us to is not a contribution. God calls us to a commitment. And so I want to look today at 1 Peter chapter 3 and start with verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give in answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also He went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. That now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to him. Verse 15 says, Christ is Lord. That's When we say that Christ is Lord, that's not because he gave us a contribution, and it's not a, him asking for, from us a contribution. This is about commitment. It's the kind of commitment that our Lord Jesus Christ made for us. We do not worship an aloof God who demands obedience from us while he sits uh, uh, serenely on a white, fluffy cloud listening to harps. Uh, Jesus Christ was so committed to us that he died for us. This is the core of our faith. He did not give us a contribution. One of the things, we, we look at, at the Bi- we've talked about the Bible in a verse before. John 3.16, we all know, most of us know that by heart probably, and John 3.16 is in many ways the Bible summed up in a single verse. Um, but it's not the only one. You know, verse 15 says, be prepared to give people an answer. And then Peter goes on to give us what that answer is. And that answer is verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That's the gospel in a verse. That's pretty good, isn't it? The book of 1 Peter was written to help Christians who were enduring persecution when Peter knew full well it was going to get worse. In light of this, in light of the fact that that it's... Hang in there, it's going to get worse. In light of that, uh, there is hope. When we suffer for what is right... There is hope. And that hope is that Christ Jesus died for us to bring us back to Him. His sacrifice for us brings us all the hope that we need. I want like to I, I focus on verse 18 in particular today, that gospel in a verse, and the message that it gives us even now. Maybe everything that we already know, but it never hurts to go over that again because it is that foundation. You're going to say, why are we only looking at 18 and not moving on? 19 and on gets a little tricky in places. That doesn't mean that I don't want to focus on it. I would enjoy focusing on it. I have before. We'll we'll hit it at the end of the sermon a a little bit. Uh, It it gets into some deep theology, but for today I want to focus on 18 because I think it's very core. Um, There is is a price to God's sacrifice. Uh, Christ's sacrifice, I should say. Well, Christ was God on earth. Uh, The price to Christ's sacrifice was that he died for us. His sacrifice cost him. Now, I said Jesus was God. Yeah, he was God on earth. The Bible is very clear that the theology, our our theology is that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% human, okay? And and I've explained before, this is not a contradiction. Uh, uh, The ancients, uh, the Christians uh, over over a 1,000 years ago argued about how that worked out, that's like saying you can be a father or a husband, but you can't be both. Those aren't, in, those aren't in contradiction to each other. The fact that Jesus was 100% God didn't rule out that he could be 100% human, and the Bible uh, affirms that. As a human, therefore, when we say that Christ died, that, that's not something that we blow off and say, well, it's no big deal because he was God. He was human. He was as human as you or I are. I don't know that we fully get what that means. I'm not, I, I don't. I struggle with that. The, the Old Testament is full of things that are set aside to God. We've been talking about that, what it means. Holy is that which is set aside, set apart to God. Um, the, the, the stone of Bethel is set apart to God. Uh, the tabernacle is set apart to God. The Ark of the Covenant, Aaron and the Levites, are set apart to God, and they and they belong to God. They are anointed for God. There are there are precedents in the Old Testament that that, that we just take for granted, but but they're kind of taken in context. They're kind they're kind of weird. They said Abel offers God a a blood sacrifice of his of his livestock. There's no command that we read about. He just does it. But it but it sets a it sets a precedent moving moving forward. Abraham, when he meets Melchizedek, tithes to King Melchizedek ten percent of of what he took in plunder from his enemies. we don't see that there is a command; he does it, and from that point on, tithing is kind of a big deal. Uh, Jacob, when he wrestles with God uh, uh, set, set, he sets up a stone at one point and says, "If you will be my God, I will." You know, I will serve you, and, 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 and based upon that, the nation of Israel was, was formed. Um, I, I don't know that I get all these, these big things. Not, not in their fullness, uh, how big they are, the concept of holiness and being set apart. Uh, it, these, are, these are big deals. These are big deals. These are big things that we as Christians in the year 2021, especially if we've been raised in the church or been a part of the church for a long time and, and looking back on it, we may, not, we may not get quite how big these things are. And so then we talk about this when we say that God promised an anointed one. And the Hebrew word for anointed one is Messiah. And the Greek word is Christ. Um, and, and what we mean by that is not somebody that humans anointed. We're talking about one that God anointed, a, a a perfect anointing. This Messiah, this Christ, and again, that Jesus. We call him Jesus Christ, but Jesus is the Christ. Okay, it's not it's not his last name. Christ. It's not you know first name Jesus, last name Christ. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Anointed for what? Set apart. Uh, uh, you know anointings were done like with the priests, they were anointed to serve as priests. Jesus was anointed to serve as sacrifice to die for us. The hope of mankind was wrapped up in a in a person, and that sacrifice is a big deal. it was costly um, he wasn't and he wasn 't just anointed from God, he was also uh, descended from, from God and, and descended from King David, and, and we read about all that genealogy. He was human, and he died. And, and with that, if, if the story ended there, that would be the end. That would, that would be the end of hope. We'd be disappointed. But the story of the death of, of the sacrifice of Christ goes on. The price of the sacrifice was that Jesus died. The purpose of his sacrifice, the reason that he died... He died for our sins. We ask that question: Why would why would God's anointed one die? Why why do it on purpose? Clearly on purpose. He knew that his preaching would lead to his death. the The, the Pharisees and, and others were looking for reasons uh, uh, to kill him, and and he could have recanted when they pulled him before the Sanhedrin. He could have said, "You know what? There's been a big miscommunication. I, I apologize." Um, You guys took my words out of context. He doesn't do that, does he? He knew where this was going. What could possibly induce the the precious child of God, the hope of man, to die by choice? What did he do to deserve that? Um, And, and of course, the thing is, he, he didn't do anything to deserve that. We did. He wasn't suicidal. It wasn't that he had some kind of death wish, purpose of dying being it sounded fun, um, he died for our sins for our sins and and for our sins because he didn't have any uh, four men that other than other than one or two of you who like reading those those old Greek scholars will never have probably heard of four guys named Bauer and Art. their last name is Bauer and Art and Gingrich. And Donker, uh, who wrote a really, really good Greek dictionary that's enormous, uh, and and a great tool in Bible college, uh, these guys say that the phrase uh, that we use here um, uh, means to take away our sins, um, and and not just here. I want to look at Hebrews chapter ten, Hebrews chapter ten, verse verse one. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. If it could, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all, and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. All, all those Old Testament sacrifices, um, they, I've used this phrase so many times, but I think it's still a very accurate phrase. They kick the can down the road. Where you, you, you get temporary reprieve. Don't sin again. But, but of course, people sin again. They never, they never fixed the problem. They brought attention to the problem, but they never fixed the problem. Um, Christ died because in, the imperfect blood of bulls and goats couldn't get rid of sin, but the perfect blood of Christ could perfectly get rid of our sin. Now somebody rightfully, ha- and, I th- and I say rightfully, we have the right to ask, God, if you're, if you're so big, if you're so powerful, if you made the whole universe, couldn't you have created another system? Um, and, I, and I've been thinking about this, I feel like, for my whole life. Certainly, certainly since high school, couldn't God have made a different system that Jesus didn't have to die in? And I think I finally hit the point that I don't think he could. Um, I don't think, you know, everybody loves to, I, I, I get asked so many times, can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Can, can God make a circle with corners? Um, I, these are nonsensical questions. The, the definition of a circle is it has no corners. And so we're, we're, we're talking about nonsense. They're not, these aren't questions of logic. They're just questions of, of word definitions. Um, uh, and, and so in a similar way, if sin is deadly, and by deadly we define that it, per, that it separates us from God, that God is the source of life, and sin is when we are sinners, we are separated from God, and in this life, it's bad, but after we die, that trajectory becomes rather permanent. If if sin is deadly, then then maybe death needs to be the the cost of getting rid of sin. Um, God, I don't know that God can show the deadliness of sin without involving death, and so sacrifice of of bulls and 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 goats, Adam and Eve got to live because animals died and clothed them you know, that that's the creepy part of, of of that story in Genesis is that uh, uh, to cover their shame, the first we read about the death in the Bible that they were they were clothed in in, in in animals, and from that point on, animals have died for humanity to feed us to clothe us and 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 for sacrifice. But it was always with the intention that one day the perfect sacrifice, the final sacrifice, would come and death would be done away with. And that's what Jesus did. The, I read about a, um, oh, and I forgot to write down the date, there was a, uh, there was a, a, a ship that sunk. I think it's still considered uh, uh, one, of the, one of the greatest ship disasters. There was a ship called the Empress of Ireland that uh, sunk and, and had tragic loss of life um, over... I want to say it was over 1,000 1, people died, over 800 passengers and, and a couple hundred crew. It was a, it was a huge mess. Uh, one of the interesting things is that there were a number of people, uh, there, were, there were a number of the passengers that were with the Salvation Army. And, and I tried to do some research, and there were some conflicting numbers. But from what I could tell, out of, out of 167 people that identified as members of the Salvation Army, only eight lived, and those were kids, is, is some of the statistics that I read. And the, the story that, that I read, and more than one, more than one place, uh, accounted that, that as they were handing out the life jackets, the Salvation Army members kept handing out, giving away the life jackets to other people, saying, you need this more than we do. Um, we, uh, we can die better than you was a phrase that was used. And, 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 and the fact that only eight of them survived, I, I think that, that probably there's some truth to that story. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that that's apocryphal. Um, uh, and, and all Christians should have this attitude that we, because Christ has died for us and we have accepted him and we know where we are going, we should be able to die better than others at, at, at peace. Jesus dies, died the best of all. Um, Jesus died for sins because he can do it better than us. He's the only one that can die for our sins. And because he died for our sins, we have peace. And we have, we, we have that, that hope. And I don't mean hope like, well, I sure hope this happens. But by hope, I mean we have this assurance that, that because Christ died for our sins, he sacrificed for us, um, that's, that's why we do this. Because Christ died for us, we have that hope, and it is a hope worth proclaiming. Um, the, there is a permanence. Peter tells us, to the sacrifice. We, we said this, it's a, it's a once-for-all kind of thing. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, skip ahead a few verses, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest... "...had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, "...this is the covenant I will make with them after that time," says the Lord. "...I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds." And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. We, I think this part goes over our heads. It's understandable. I, we've, become, we've become so accustomed to the concept of Jesus as a concept, as, 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 a, as a nebulous thing in our life, uh, that I think that we miss his point. Prior to Jesus, there w- you, we could not be fully forgiven. The can would be kicked down the road by sacrifices, but there was no full forgiveness. And for those of us in the year 2021, we one, we'd never lived under that system, and it's been 2,000 years since people had to live un- un- under that system. Uh, but after Jesus, there is complete forgiveness. Amen. But we can we can make some comparisons. Imagine, imagine if there was a cure for cancer. Imagine if there was uh, a pill that you could take that would cure you, and you didn't have to do chemotherapy or radiation. You didn't have to go to your doctor every six months and get checked again. Even if you got, even if the chemo and the radiation helped and you got over it, um, you you still got to go back and get checked because we know that. Unfortunately, cancer can can come back. It, it, it's It's a terrible it's a terrible illness today. Uh, imagine if we could fix it. Imagine if we could cure it. Uh, there's uh, kidneys. You know, imagine if we could fix kidneys. No more dialysis for people. Obviously, the, the obvious comparison that in the year 2021 is absolutely on our mind. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of comparisons. Oh, the microphone's cutting out on me. I think isn't it? A little bit. No. Okay. Uh, imagine. There's a lot of people com- uh, comparing uh, our current woes with with when our world went through uh, smallpox and polio, and uh, the the current vaccines are not like the polio vaccine. Polio vaccine cured you. I mean, it, it made you immune to polio. It got rid of polio. The current the current trajectory of the current vaccines. and This is not. Anti-vax, pro-vax. I don't want you to read into it anything other than that's not what the current vaccine does. Uh, it doesn't. It, it lessens your symptoms ideally, but it doesn't. It hasn't prevented people from getting the coronavirus. Wouldn't it be amazing? <laughs> what I'm praying for daily, and I sure hope you are too, is that we get that. I want. I want that. I want. I, I want that. That pill or that shot that gets rid of it in its entirety. Not. Not kicks the can down the road. And, and, you know, we're talking now about third boosters and fourth boosters. Uh, I'd like to get to the point where we're not talking about. Who doesn't want to get to the point where we're not talking about boosters and masks anymore? We're talking about getting on with our life and getting rid of the virus as opposed to an endemic that just sticks around and sticks around. And, and I think that this is a good insight then in, in, into, into sin. Prior to Jesus' death, um, sin. Sin was an endemic. You, you kicked the can down the road. You got your booster shot through sacrifices, but it never went away. But but Jesus came and and got rid of it for those of, for those who accept His death, who who repent and follow Him, uh, uh, making Christ Lord of your life is not kicking the can down the road. It's getting rid of it. And and for then for those of us in 2021 who've been raised in the church, uh, who didn't. Who didn't live under, under that, that Jewish law 2,000 years ago, this may seem so foreign to us that, that we're just so. Di- and that's a good thing that, it, that if it is foreign to us, that's not a bad thing that we don't know what it would have been like back then, but it's a big deal that, that Christ's sacrifice was once and for all, it was permanent, and it was perfect. The perfect sacrifice. The righteous died for the unrighteous. I, I read about a uh, a Swiss a Swiss boy uh, Abraham Bunninger, who grew up to become uh, uh, he became he became a, a preacher, hearing of the island of Saint Thomas, in hearing of the need and and on the island of Saint Thomas there there were, there were slave plantations, and hearing of the need of these slaves to hear the gospel. The story is that he requested permission to go and start a mission among the slaves of St. Thomas, and the governor of the island said, no, we, we, have, a, we have a separation between the slaves and, and the slave owners, and the only way that you can interact with the slaves in that way is to be a slave yourself. And so he requested that permission. is, is So the story goes. That's what his descendants say. There are some people that question whether or not his kids and grandkids may have exaggerated the story. I'm not even worried about that because I think if it's not a true story I think it makes a great parable. Imagine being a free man and being willing to give up your freedom for the purpose of the gospel. And, and, and the reason we can imagine that is now, now imagine that Jesus who doesn't need to die for sins because he has none imagine what he endured for us. Um Jesus died for all of us, the righteous for the unrighteous. Hebrews chapter four, verse fifteen says that he was like us, but but without sin. Uh, he was tempted like us, and yet did not sin. Hebrews nine chapter fourteen says that he was without blemish, he was perfect, and therefore the perfect sacrifice. The irony of the situation is that the one is that he, didn't, he was the one who didn't need the sacrifice alone. He was the one person that, when he died, deserved to go to heaven. None of us, did, do not kid yourselves, you do not deserve to go to heaven. None of us do. And he was the one who died for us. The righteous for the unrighteous. The obvious comparison, imagine committing a crime, and you did it, and you deserve to be punished. And someone who didn't commit the crime says i 'll take the punishment, and you're walking around free while this person is languishing in prison that's That's certainly a similarity to the to the image or worse, or worse the, it's capital punishment. The crime is so bad that you deserve to die for it, but somebody else takes your punishment. somebody who didn't do the crime because that's entirely the image that we have with with our faith, with Christianity. It's not even really a parable or an analogy. We did the crime. The the crime sin is when we do something that God thinks is wrong, and and the penalty for sin is death, and yet Jesus is the one who died instead of us. So all of this begs the question why? What what's the plan? Why why do we need Christ's sacrifice for us in the first place. God made us to be better than this. He made us for a higher purpose. Uh, that's what, what we read in, in Genesis is that he had fellowship with Adam and, and Eve, and he wants that fellowship with us as well. Uh, Adam and Eve lived in a right relationship with him, and, and it fell apart uh, because of sin. And, and But we weren't made for that. We were made to live with him, and God wants to restore that relationship. Uh, through sin, we're separated by him, by a gulf so vast that we can't cross it. If we could cross it, Jesus would not have needed to have died for us. Through Christ's sacrifice, we are brought back to God. It's a simple message, but it's a vital message. Christ didn't sacrifice himself for his ego, for his pride, for power or money, health, uh, fame, he valued us enough to suffer horribly and to die for us. Sixteen forty-one, a a preacher named uh, Devereux Sprat uh, was a preacher in Algiers, and he was captured by Barbary pirates. That was that was a thing back then. Um, it wasn't. Pirates weren't just in the Caribbean. Uh, there, were, there were other places where piracy w- was in effect, and, and, uh, uh, and, and the Barbary pirates would sell their captured uh, prisoners as slaves. And uh, Devereux Spratt was uh, uh, sold into, into slavery, and he witnessed, as a preacher, he witnessed to his fellow slaves, ministered in his slavery. His ran- there was a ransom for him. The ransom came in, and then he had this pang of conscience. I get to go. my ransom has been paid, but my fellow prisoners are still prisoners, and they still need they they still need ministering too and so incredibly, he refused his release for at least a couple of years um, and and continued to minister and witness. And, and chose to willingly be a slave. Um, this may sound crazy to the world, but I hope that we as Christians get that, that struggle that he had. Uh, the, 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 the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, as, as Adolf Hitler's prisoner, went through something similar where there were multiple times that people offered to break him out of prison, and he kept refusing because his fellow prisoners needed, he felt needed to be ministered to. Needed the gospel. Um, the, that may sound crazy to people, but the plan for Deborah Spratt, for for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, was bigger than just them. Uh, it was about bringing people to Christ. Christ had a plan. Jesus came to bring people to God. To our world, that, that plan is crazy. His sacrifice seems suicidal. Um, and too many... The problem that we have is that too many people think that God owes us salvation, owes us forgiveness, that we deserve to, to go to heaven, we deserve to be forgiven, that salvation is our due. Um, the, the, the Greek word here uh, for bringing us to God, prosago, uh, the word is that we have permission to enter, uh, freedom to enter. It doesn't, it, it, it's not a guarantee. We just have the freedom to approach God uh, if we want to but it's not owed us, and it's still on us to accept. It's not It's not the right to salvation. It's the permission to be saved. It is undeserved. God says that we're worth it, but it's not forced upon us. We have the permission to approach the throne of God because God says that we are worth it, not because we deserve it. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 330. Now, so what do we do about this? That's always the big question. So, so what? That should be the big question. Peter says, I said I'd get back to this briefly. Um, Peter says that, that we are saved in baptism. Uh, he says this a couple of times in verse 21, this baptism which saves you. Uh, it doesn't say that baptism is a symbol. <laughs> what it says is that the flood is a symbol of baptism that saves us. The baptism saves us. In fact, it says that twice, and I assure you as someone with degrees in Greek, that's what it says in the Greek as well. That's not an English mistranslation. Now, recognizing that God saves us and baptism is his instrument, God saves us through baptism, we're able to say that we are saved through baptism. And I think that Peter is pretty blunt, and a lot of people try to reinterpret it, but every time they try to reinterpret it, they end up with something that the Greek Doesn't say, that even the English doesn't say. Christ died for us, but not everyone is saved. Those who accept him, those who repent, who believe the message, who repent from their sins, who declare Christ as Lord, who turn from their sins, who are baptized into his name, these are the ones that have accepted his salvation. We do it his way or we don't do it at all. There's no, there's no, well, I'll accept Christ, but I'll do it my way. That's never been on the table. Those. Uh, those Paul tells us in, in, in uh, Romans, those who are buried with him will be raised with him. Those who are baptized are buried with him. Those who are buried with him will be raised with him. If that doesn't apply to you, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, if you want to be a Christian, we should talk. for listening you can contact us at our website firstchurchofchristelkins.com where you can also find out more have a nice week